0: Hey, so I'm getting married next month to the love of my life. We met back in high school, but didn't start dating until the very end of senior year. When it came time to graduate and move to the next stages in our lives, she decided to go to college and become a nurse. I myself said, screw college. I'm just going to try and make this art curation stuff work. And honestly, I had no fear. I truly felt that if I tried my best and put all I had into this, that it could work out. Well, after six months of networking on my computer every day, posting and talking to artists in galleries, I finally secured my first curated exhibition in the city of New York, which was at Krauss Gallery. I was over the moon, excited, but there was one issue. I was running out of the money that I had saved up and it would cost a lot to go to New York for the show. So, in the meantime, I got a part time job and saved all I could. My fiance also saved up her money at the time, and together we flew to NYC for our first trip as a couple and our first trip since turning 18. While we were there, we did more than just my exhibition. We went to museums, out to eat, art shows, all kinds of different things, and she split the cost of the entire trip with me. I look back now and I think of how much belief she had in me. There were plenty of family members trying to tell me to do something else with my life, but Jeanette, she could see my dream and my potential even then, and and still does to this day. And I just don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for her support of my dreams. There is no denying that money is important to live. Often when you want to chase a dream, you will have to sacrifice not only money, but time and countless other luxuries. But when you want something bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to achieve it. These are the stories about the lives that shape art. I'm Jacob Johnson, and this is the My Art is Real podcast. Right after the break. This episode is sponsored by you, the listener. If this podcast has inspired you in any way, please follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And let anyone that you know about this incredible podcast. This show takes a lot of work, and I couldn't do it without you. And if you're looking for any bonus content, please consider signing up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash real, where I will be uploading bonus episodes every month. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode.
1: So, my name is Linnea Stryd. I'm from a very small uh, Swedish Swedish village, uh, Järbo. That's where I grew up. And I currently live in, not far from there in a town called Yable in Sweden. And I work as an artist, a painter, full time.
0: Linnea makes realistic oil paintings for a living today, but that wasn't always the case. While growing up, Linnea was sort of a loner. She had a few friends, but never really seemed to fit in. She was a shy kid and would keep to herself most of the days and had trouble branching out and meeting new people.
1: Well, it was it was a good childhood I had there. I it, Very calm. It, like I said, it's a very tiny place. It's, I think it had like 3,500 people living there back then. So it was very small and not many not many people around but it was very calm and uh, yeah very peaceful and I, I enjoyed growing up there maybe until I, I turned into a teenager and I started feeling like I was I was too big for that place <laughs> and uh, maybe I, I wanted to see more of the world and uh, I don't know just a typical feeling of maybe not fitting in yeah maybe I <laughs> there are not enough people here that I can relate to or that can relate to me and um uh, yeah, just feeling kind of uh, kind of lonely in that way. Like I don't have anyone uh, really that understands me in the way that I am. You know, I was a kind of a, a shy or laid back, quiet kid, but I, I was I was kind of comfortable with that. You know, I I had friends uh, as a kid, and uh, which was kind of weird because I never really <laughs> made an effort to like call friends like we did back then. <laughs> uh call them up like hey you wanna wanna play today I never did that basically I I always had people coming to me and wanting to play uh, at my home you know and if they didn't call me or come over I would be like yeah that's fine I'm just gonna be by myself and I was happy with doing that (laughs) so uh, I don't know um I guess I thought I was shy but I I think I, I realized that it was more about uh me being an introvert
0: Hey, could you explain to me a little bit more about how you felt different?
1: Like I, I wasn't um, secure enough to to reach out and try to make new friends, so I tried to cling on to the the friends that I grew up with, and they, they like I said before, they're very extroverted and they uh, they had uh, got new friends really easily, you know, growing up. And I felt like I was stuck in the in the role that I always had played growing up, like the 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 shy and quiet girl, you know, and uh, yeah, I just um, I wanted to find more people that were that were like me like more alternative people, so
0: to speak but i
1: i I think I was just confused and I'd, I'd a bit lost, you
0: know from a young age, Linnea was always into art, either drawing or painting, not only did she enjoy to make art but she was extremely passionate about it, so so you didn't. So none of your friends growing up, none of them were into art or anything.
1: I mean, we had maybe someone in class who were someone else in class who were really like good at making art, but they didn't have the same um, passion for it. I guess that I did. So um, yeah, they 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 kind of lost that interest as we grew older, and um, they started doing other things and going out with boys and uh, doing stuff. And I was kind of like
0: alone with that. (laughs) This phase of Linnea's life wouldn't last too long, as when she turned 16, her and her family decided to move to Spain.
1: When I turned 16, uh, my parents, because a few years before, uh, my parents had bought a summer uh, vacation house in uh, the south of Spain, so uh, and they really wanted to move there. And I I was like, kind of hesitant for a bit, but then uh, when I turned 16, I was going to start high school. And uh, we all decided that we were going to move there. So we moved uh, moved to uh, Spain and that actually changed everything.
0: (laughs) When in Sweden, she was shy and lonely. But in Spain, it was a completely different story. She met a boy right away and started dating. And along with that relationship, she fell into a whole group of new friends that shared her interest. Yeah, what was that like, moving to Spain at, at 16?
1: It was uh, a huge difference. <laughs> Coming from a very small town and then ending up in the, in the middle of a, of a city as a foreigner, and trying to le- to learn the language. and uh, it wasn't difficult finding new friends because i I almost instantly started going out with a Spanish guy there. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> I sort of adopted his uh, his friends as well. so uh, i and they were really like, I don't know, they they liked art and uh, the same kind of music that I did. and uh, yeah, it was uh, I think it was exactly what I needed.
0: So did you feel like you fit in a lot better there?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's so strange that I had to go from all the way down to Spain to <laughs> to feel like I, I fit in somewhere, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, trying to get into a new culture and uh, and everything that that entails, you know, but it was uh, I don't know, it was just uh, so much fun and uh, exciting. To, uh, to learn so much and, uh, and uh, to be able to experience things that I never could have really dreamed of.
0: My fiancé comes from a Mexican household, and as I've been around her family, I've picked up on a few Spanish words here and there. But I would not even come close to saying I know Spanish even enough to have a basic conversation for Linnea she had to learn spanish and learn it quickly if she was going to be able to take part in any deeper conversations while in spain
1: getting into the culture and understanding the culture was was not so hard because i think at that age you are really adaptable and you uh, you're i don't know you uh, you can blend in in a way that might be harder the older you get <laughs> But the the language was kind of hard at first, because uh, I felt like there was a lot of pressure since I was go- having, like since I had a lot of uh, Spanish friends, uh, there was sort of the um, understanding that I had to learn Spanish like fast. And so it was, I was, and I wanted to, because I was always sitting in a corner, like I really wanted to take part in conversations and stuff. But um i couldn't because there was a language barrier so i was i, I they tried to talk english with me and all that uh, but it was always like to a point and then they just talked spanish and i was left kind of like okay <laughs> feeling frustrated but i did i did learn it quite fast after like 2 years there i i spoke almost fluently because you learn a lot easier when you're that young
0: so thankfully <laughs> Lenia would continue to live in Spain and enjoy her life there until the age of 21. While she was there, she continued to create art and even participate in various art shows. As much as Spain helped her open up socially and find a place to fit in, it also became a place she could no longer see herself. She felt like she was losing her language of Swedish. She was desiring to go back to her home in Sweden and pursue life as an artist living there. And so... When you got done with school, uh, did you go to university?
1: Yeah, I wanted to go to an art college, like an art university. I was also having the feeling that I because I was starting to forget uh, Swedish, I couldn't like remember a lot of words I was because I was always talking in spanish with uh, with my friends and my boyfriend and my boyfriend's family. The only people I was speaking Swedish with were my parents pretty much. So I was feeling like maybe I should uh, go back to Sweden and uh, kind of become a, a grown up in uh, in my home country as well. Because I, I, I took my driver's license in uh, in Spain, so I knew all the parts like about how to drive and all the parts of a car in <laughs> in Spanish. But I didn't know any of the words in Swedish, so that was like a bit weird for me. Like I, I wanted to to learn <laughs> grown up language in Swedish as well so to speak um, and i don't know like there was uh, some part of my identity like i need to to make myself whole because I, I felt like there was part missing of me because i left sweden so so young so so yeah i wanted to go back so and and go to and get an art education as well in uh, in sweden if i
0: could and as crazy as it might seem to some linnea missed the long winters and changing seasons of sweden
1: this is also like a kind of a cliche uh thing to say because everyone in sweden says no no we love the the different seasons we have here the the spring and the summer and the fall and the winter but i actually kind of missed that because that was one of the reasons why my parents wanted to move down there because we were sick of the long cold winters here and uh and the rain in the summer, but once you, we hadn't had it for for some years, you were like, oh, I kind of miss the, the cold season as well and the snow a little bit. And maybe having some rain in the summer is kind of nice.
0: When Linnea moved back to Sweden, she was starting all over. She was now 21 and had just broken up with her boyfriend of six years. She left him and her friend group behind in Spain. It was a fresh start, but something she felt she needed if she was going to make it as an adult and achieve her dream, the dream of being an artist.
1: Yeah, I always. That has always been like my my identi- identity I, since I was a small kid. That was everything I wanted to be like, and it, it was never like a question about oh, I don't know how to make a living. I don't know how. No one ever put that in my head, like, oh, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> so I was very I was very naive about it, too, and felt like, oh, it shouldn't be so hard. I'm just going to be an artist. It's going to be fine. I'm going to show galleries and museums, and <laughs> I'm going to be famous.
0: Linnea's parents are a lot like mine. They fully support you in your dreams, seemingly no matter what. Maybe they can truly see in us what it is we believe to be true of ourselves. And when you are pursuing any dream, Having that unrealistic confidence, is pretty necessary. Could you maybe walk me through a little bit of your art progression? Because I'm curious as to if you were painting before college or or what medium you worked in.
1: I uh, started off drawing. That was always what I I did when I grew up. I I used to make uh, portraits of uh, friends and their boyfriends and girlfriends in school just to, uh, I don't know, to become more popular, I guess, and have friends. And be, um, uh, so I used to like uh, graphite or a color pencil, and uh, that was like my medium until I, when I started to get more and more into oils, and I discovered what fantastic medium that was. And I also started to double it with, with uh, watercolor. But it, I don't know, it hasn't been until maybe in, uh, I don't know, maybe in 2000. Eight 2009, when I really felt like, no, oils, that's, that's what i am got to focus on. That's really what I feel more, most comfortable working with, and I feel more, I don't know, satisfied with the results.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest, I didn't go to college, and for most of my time in high school, I knew I didn't want to go. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and once I discovered art, I was dead set on pursuing that and felt like college would have just sucked up my time and money. I say all this to let you know that I have a very basic understanding of how college even works here in America. So I really don't have any clue how it works in other countries like Sweden. So let's get Linnea to explain it to us all.
1: Well, I um, I got into because in Sweden, there's a kind of a way of doing things. If you want to apply to an art college uh, or uh, something in, in that manner, you have to go to Preparatory education. I don't know if that's a. So you you usually go to a school like that for maybe two or three years, and then you apply to uh, to the college you uh, you're interested in, and if you're lucky, you get in. But there are really like very few uh, seats in those uh, schools, and you maybe like twenty people get in, and uh, there are two thousand people applying to those.
0: So Linnea did her initial classes and then applied to go to art college. And well, it didn't quite go how she planned. It was the first time in her life that she started to doubt her artistic abilities.
1: So it's a, it's a very hard, stiff competition. <laughs> and um, I, I tried uh, applying, I don't know how many years, I think three or four years I applied. And I, uh, I always got turned down. I was kind of defeated by that and I felt like, okay, so uh, obviously I'm not good enough to be an artist. All my life I had been told that I was like amazing and I was the best and I, uh, I was, I don't know, I had such confidence in in that one thing, you know? I was so good at making art. And then uh, the my whole, my big dream in life was like shattered by, uh, by their response, like, no, sorry, you're not welcome here. I really started to doubt myself, like oh, maybe I'm not Maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Maybe I'm not cut out to, to be an artist. Yeah, maybe I should just do something else.
0: So what did you do next? What was your next step?
1: I, I applied to uh, the, another university uh, uh, where I was going to uh, try to become a translator or something like that, since I was good at Spanish. I thought maybe I should work with, uh, work with that like translating books or movies or whatever. So I did that for I think a year. And it was uh, I think it was fun, but I always felt like I don't know, it was it was kind of draining. Because I, I have I'm, like I said before, I've, I've never been like great in school, but I never been bad in school either, and uh, to get to get good grades that I that I wanted to have, I I had to work really hard for them. So uh, my whole life was like only evolving around producing uh, like really good grades and um, working really hard and studying 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 so i didn't have time to make art or do anything else basically realized that uh, i can't do that i can't like am i going to do this for five more years or four and then uh, get a job that i'm not even like passionate about like it felt really like pointless
0: there's a lot to be said about individuals who are able to just work a normal job and come home to their families and enjoy the weekend. But there are some others, including myself and Linnea, who have this feeling that if we don't chase our dreams, a part of us will die. So Linnea quit trying to do school and decided it was time to just carve her own path within the art world. Uh,
1: well, the plan was I had uh, some money saved up. From living this student life, where you also have to live cheaply, <laughs> not waste any money. Yeah, I'm just, I have enough money to, to be able to survive for a year. So I'm just going to take the leap and I'm going to be a full-time artist.
0: Before she had quit the translation courses, Linnea had already been making art and selling here and there and doing a lot of commissions to make money. She was a student at the time and was living mostly off her student funds and these commissions to get by. So she had to learn to be very strict with her money which she also had very little of.
1: But I, I learned uh, very early on that I can't have any big expenses so I never I have never bought anything for myself. Like I don't I don't buy I rarely buy clothes. Well, I only buy second hand clothes. I buy I don't buy stuff I'm not I'm not really into buying things, you know? So I, I live really I I really don't have any expenses. <laughs> These days when you go to the bank you're like, "Oh, I need to take a loan for this or that." And they're like, "But you don't really have a good income. What do you survive on?" Like, "What do you mean? This is my income." Like, <laughs> "It's a lot of money for me." And they're like, "No, no, I can survive survive on this on this <laughs> on this money." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm fine." Like
0: <laughs> so with enough money for Linnea to survive a year. She got to work on pushing the art as much as she could, which was actually a big challenge to do in Sweden without that art degree.
1: I live in Sweden, and Sweden is not a good place for artists, unfortunately. Uh, Spain was much better. Uh, they have a lo- another view on uh, on art there. Art is more, and and culture in in general is much more appreciated and. and I don't know, they they look up on artists in a way that we don't do here. Here's like, oh, you're an artist. Like, okay, so what's your real job? Like, you, you do that on the, like, as a hobby, you can't, you can't actually be an artist. That's just weird, you know? Like, oh, you just sit around and paint all day? Like, they, I don't know, people are a bit, like, they are, when you tell them, they're a bit, mostly they're surprised and sometimes impressed, but mostly just confused, like, how and why?
0: So so then, how did you start to get your work in the galleries?
1: Um, well, at first, I was seeking out exhibitions by myself because I I always knew that I, I started I actually started showing when I still lived in Spain. Uh, I had my first solo show when I was nineteen at uh, because they were they were very inclusive in Spain. Like they, it felt like everyone loved art. Everyone was positive about. Like everyone was so like oh you're you're only like a teenager and you're so good at art oh my god yeah yeah we want to show you and you you should join us in this in this uh, thing uh, this group show and yeah so I had my first solo show there and uh, uh, once I moved back to Sweden it wasn't so easy to get into uh, shows but uh, because they always ask you like oh you have a degree like where did you study like you're not really an artist until you have a, an art degree you know kind of it, it's it's very. Elites, it's like a like a special club that you're not really allowed into unless you have done a few things. And.
0: So, Linia had to take other routes to get her art seen.
1: I just realized that I, if I want to uh, make money, if I want to show my work, I need to like actually reach out
0: to uh,
1: all the places like you go to uh, I went to a coffee shop uh, like hey can I have my hang my work here and they were like yeah fine sure do it you know and uh, after a while I don't know how but people seem to like uh, seem to know of me somehow I don't know how uh, word of mouth I'm not sure so I got invited to uh, solo shows as well uh, in some galleries in uh, Stockholm and in Uppsala they went okay but I'm, I sold most of those paintings to collectors in other, uh, in other countries. So <laughs> Sweden is not a good, uh, not a good place to uh, if you want to sell art, unfortunately. In, not in my experience, anyway. Maybe other people have a different <laughs> experience.
0: With not many options to showcase her art in Sweden, Linnea turned to the internet, which was a lot different back then. There was no Instagram, so everyone was on sites like Flickr and DeviantArt and even their own personal blogs, which Linnea did all of that.
1: This was in the early 2000s. I think I started selling uh, paintings over the internet in, uh, when was that? Maybe in 2008, I think, through DeviantArt and uh, Flickr, sites like that. And, and through my own uh, website, my own blog. That was the time when you could actually have a have a website and people would go there. Like, oh, what's happened? What is Linnea uploading today? Like, <laughs> yeah, people would go in there, like leave a comment or drop you an email. Like, oh, is this piece available? I want to buy it. And they we're like, yeah, and, and things are going really good. <laughs> so weird.
0: And before all that, when you were still in school, how did you get commissions?
1: I think it was just family and friends. The word, the words sort of like got around like that. It was really weird. It, it, I've always had so many supportive people around me. Like everyone, uh, everyone really wanted to support me, and everyone were talking with their friends about me and showing what I had done. You know, that's kind of always how I have, um, how I've been doing things. I've I've never been like like oh I'm sorry you can't afford my work. I'm I'm uh, you. You know, like putting my prices too high. I always put them a little before I started showing at galleries. I would put them a little lower because I thought it was always important to get more sales, which would generate more views and like more eyes on my on more eyes on my work, and that would in in turn like create more interest in what I did. You know, so that was kind of a, I don't know. I don't know how it worked out, but it always worked out sometimes. And and the, the, during the really rough times when I when I've been like okay I I'm just gonna give up I I, I maybe I could be an art teacher you know I had those periods I I have those periods like at least once a year where I'm like oh this is so hard I'm gonna give up but when I when I when I went through that uh, when I was younger I always had my parents like you know I think it's time that we we commission you on on <laughs> on something like we need a new painting here and then uh, that would help me out.
0: It's honestly so rare to have parents as supportive as lineas who are constantly commissioning you to paint new works to help grow your career. I mean, they really did believe in her, even when she had doubts herself. But it didn't take long into her year of fully focusing on art for things to start to take off.
1: It went rather well, actually. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, fly, it didn't fly off immediately, but maybe it took like six months. Or, or so maybe a little more before i started to get like really big galleries uh reaching out to me and this was before instagram and before facebook and uh, and everything so that's why it's really hard when when young artists today reach out and they're like oh how did you do it like how how do you become like <laughs> big artists and how do you show it uh big galleries i was like i i can't tell you how, how to do it today because it's like how you how i did it back in 2008 and it's not the same place it's not the same world every journey everyone's journey is uh, so different um things just uh, happened uh, it, it went really fast i uh, i think i i decided to become a full-time artist maybe in late 2008 and then in uh, the in October or November in two thousand nine, I had uh, I was invited to a, a show in uh, to show in Chicago at a, by an artist and art professor there at a at a school. I think no, it was university. I think anyway, they had like a a, a gallery in the in the university where they show different artists, and I got invited, and they. paid for my trip over and everything it was so nice and uh, that was like the the highlight (laughs) of my career up until then you know and um, I don't know after that trip maybe um, a month after or so I uh, I got contacted by uh, Thinkspace and uh, they wanted to start showing me uh, a bit as well so yeah that's that's when things really started to take off for me.
0: You know, Linnea actually started to showcase her artworks all the way in L.A. at Think Space Gallery um, pretty early on in their creation, which we actually did an episode with one of the founders and the head curator, Andrew. So if you want to check that out, go listen to episode 16. Well, things just kept growing for her. She kept painting and showcasing it wherever she could and was working as hard as she could to make her dream a reality. Because the only thing she could ever see herself doing was paint. And being an artist, how do you deal with the stresses of, you know, not having a predictable income and you, you kind of never knowing what's going to happen next?
1: Yeah, I, I think I did it the same way that I, I do it to this day, that I'm always like, I get a chunk of money and I'm always like, OK, I have uh, this amount for uh, to pay my bills and to pay food or uh, buy uh, clothes for my kids or whatever and then the rest that's left I'm just I'm not gonna spend it on whatever I'm just gonna put it aside because there might be a time when I don't have when I don't get any money at all for like three months I don't sell any paintings and then I'm just gonna set it (laughs) aside for bad for worse times you know so that's uh, what I've always done. I've always been saving up, and now I reached a point where I'm like, "What am I saving the, this money for?" Like, I know the times are probably getting worse, and I'm like, "But maybe I should sometimes like, like actually treat myself to something. Why don't I? Why don't I treat myself?" And <laughs> I'm like, nah, maybe, maybe you don't know, you don't know. Next year could be terrible. Maybe next year I I don't make any money at all, and then." i i spent all my money on on that that i don't really need like why would i do that you know so it's uh it's a difficult balance you know like you actually want you want to live (laughs) while you live but you also don't want to spend it all because you want to be able to continue creating and living this life and i think a lot of people cannot relate to this uh, attitude at all (laughs) they'll be like Oh, that must be terrible. There must be such torture not being able to to spend money on whatever you want every day. And it's like, yeah, but I don't have the the need for that. You know, my my biggest need in life is to be able to sit in front of my easel every day doing what I love. That's, that's, every, that's literally the only thing that I want and need
0: in my life. And so finally, once you had achieved that dream of being a working, living artist, how does it feel for you now?
1: It's the it's amazing. It's the best. I, I am so happy. I, I feel so <laughs> blessed. <laughs> I I I don't know how to explain it, but I'm just I, I just feel so lucky that I am able to do what I love every day and I I I suffer for the people who I mean who can't live their dream, you know. There are so many people who are forced to go to a soul-sucking job. And do something that just, you know, they are just longing for the weekend so they can do something that they that they want to do. And I wish that our society wasn't like this. I wish that people actually had more time to focus on their uh, big passions in life and had the opportunity to actually learn how to paint. Because they, they don't have time, they don't have energy, you know. They have barely enough time to uh, take care of a family, you know, when they have some time off from, uh, from work. So... Yeah, I don't, I, I just, I'm just so happy. I am, I truly am. I, I feel that the day that I'm, that my life is over, I'm going to be like, yeah, I did what I, what I want to do with my life and I'm not bitter. And and at the same time, I'm fully aware that maybe one day I won't be able to, uh, to live this life anymore. Like I'm super prepared for that. Like the day might come when I'm like, I'm not selling any more paintings. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I can't sell anything, and I'm not making any money, and uh, and I don't know what to do. That, but <laughs> but I'm I'm just super happy right now today to be able to do this. You
0: know. Of course, there were times throughout Linnea's life that she had doubts and struggles, and she struggled for many years with no real certainty that being an artist would in fact be a viable career for herself. She has had to make sacrifices to become who she is today, and after so many years think it's safe to say that she finally is a full-time artist thank you so much for listening to this episode please follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review it would help us grow and be seen by even more people that need to hear these inspiring stories i'm your host jacob johnson and this is the myer drill podcast i will see you in the next episode